Hi, this is Bill Burns from Unsolved. My friend Matt and I met with Lev Grossman, author of The Magicians and the new book, The Magician King. We talked about webcomics, we talked about stealing from better authors, and we talked about me a lot. That's the problem with interviewing a journalist. He interviews you. Uh, please enjoy. We're at a place called The Milk Bar on Vanderbilt in Brooklyn. We're so hip, it's almost beyond uh, yeah, it gives me comprehension. And you were talking about uh, how you feature uh, characters, people you know in your books. Yeah, but I don't name characters after them because um, some sort of cognitive interference starts happening whereby the character named after the friend starts behaving like the friend even when they should not. And also, almost all of my characters are bad people, and so the friends don't always take kindly to having characters named or, or, after them. that or you're going to kill them. Yeah. yeah, right. No, no, horribly. Horribly. Years ago, I uh, before I started Unshelved, I started another comic strip, which was a based based on my wife and I took a nine month RV trip around the country. And so this comic strip was essentially about us because it was just the two of us in an RV. There were no other characters, and I named them after us and I drew them to look like us. And it was a disaster <laughs> because any time I put words into her mouth that were not things she had literally said or would literally say, right. we had words. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then I changed her name and I like changed her hair color, and it, the problem just went away completely. It's, it's, it's a complicated business. Like, for example, if I'm going to put a hot lady in my book, uh, I'm not going to make it look like my wife and name it after my wife. Because uh, that would be a problem. But also, not making it look like my wife and naming it after my wife, that is also a problem. Because <laughs> the understanding is maybe I find that lady more attractive than my wife. The it's, fictional one that's yeah. just made up? It's a, yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's not the sort of Damocles, and it's not a Gordian knot. It's a... Um, it's marriage. It's marriage. Yeah. That's the word for I knew there was a word There's for a technical it. term. That's, that's yeah. the technical term for it. What is a macchiato? I don't even know. It's um, macchiato. It's actually this wonderful thing. Macchiato is Italian for stain. So you take your espresso and then you stain it with a little bit of cream. Okay. I'm in. I think I'm just going to have a cappuccino. So it's mostly espresso with just a little cream? Yeah, yeah. I just like saying macchiato. And I would like uh, a skim cappuccino. Great. Um, I always wanted to be a cartoonist when I was little. That was my first declared occupation. Um, I didn't stick. I didn't stick to it. Um, and at the time, I felt it was because I I couldn't draw well enough. My drawings, my drawings were. Bad. And then, isn't annoying that XKCD came along and like put the lie to everyone who's ever said that? Well, yes, it is annoying. And it also Dilbert to some degree. Yeah. Well, now I just feel like I shouldn't have given up so soon. And if I had just worked on it for you know the, the, the next um, thirty-five years, I could probably draw okay. Do you look at the first on shelves? Uh-huh. It's it's primitive. Yeah. I guess I could pull out the iPad, but it's primitive. And it's gotten better. It's because I've done one every day right. for the last 10 years. And practice makes better. You know, I've got my 10,000, uh, my official 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. I talk about the 10,000 hours all the time. Yeah. Um, I see it all the time. And you can really see it in my work, actually. I, it kind of kicks in, in in the middle of volume seven. Like, it suddenly gets better. Well, it's totally true, depending on cave. I was about to say. Which is, yeah. it really is. Funny, but extremely crude at the beginning. And now there's, like, all this shading shit and, you know, whatever else. He's also a doodler. Like, he's, he's a guy who sits around and draws in a path. Uh, but that, but, but even I, think, I will draw it But I think that's one of the things that really helps Gabe, is that he's always drawing. Yeah, he's got, like, a scary focus thing. Yeah. Which, you know, he just... It's kind of laser-like. Yeah, and that'll that'll get you your 10,000. You know, he's got to a second and third 10,000 right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it starts to get worse after a while. Moves yeah, back again? Yeah, I don't but know. But that's hopeful for you. Yeah. Eventually you'll draw better than that. I, th- I thought about this a lot because when I was in, like, when I was in college, um, I had, at that point, you know, 
I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this and be a writer. Um, and there were a bunch of other dudes, as there are in every college everywhere, who are like, yeah, we're going to be writers. Um, <clears throat> former writers group. Yeah, well, the weird thing about it was, um, you know, like, a bunch of them were, like, really, really far along. Like, you know, they were just, like, whacking out these short stories that were, like, crazy, you know, like, you know, sort of derivative as one always is in college, but, like, you know, like, really fancy and, like, Faulknerian and stuff like that. And I was just sort of like, this guy did that, and then he did yeah, that. Like, laundry. really crude. Um, and I was like, wow, this sucks. You know, those people have talent, and I don't have talent at all. And there is, there, now looking back, there is something weird about the fact that those kids could do that. Yeah. I mean, they were really good. Um, Their parents are all alcoholics. And I look at my parents and think, where, where were they? I know, why doesn't you be alcoholic? Exactly, drink up. Um, but then they never, they never, they didn't do their 10,000 hours. Or I don't know what they did. But, you know, I run into them. And yeah. they're, you know, they did this. They stalled out. They lost interest or, like, they got tired of being rejected all the time, which is something that you just have to suck up, you know. Um, or they just got distracted or they made too much money to do something else or something. Um, uh, and now I've gotten a lot better. But it has nothing to do with talent at all. Talent was, if talent is real, it, it was just not relevant. Uh, that's, well, that's the outliers thing, right, which is... Which is, town's fine, but yeah. what you actually need is lots and lots of time and an enormous amount of opportunity. Actually, the opportunity creates the time. Yeah, well, yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but it was weird to me. And actually, I felt like I finally understood it better when I read that. But I don't understand how you got sort of, like, so far... And again, I'm really happy they were talking about me. I guess, so, your, your partner... This is the problem with interviewing a journalist, I think. <laughs> well, I, I'm just... I'm particularly obsessed with webcomics. Okay. Like I, re- I read a lot of them. I know, actually, truly, I'm happy to talk about artists, them. I'm super interested in them. But how did... So, was it... That you're, the guy you work with is, um, is a... Is a he, he's is now a, a former librarian. librarian. Right, I see. So that's how you got sort of dialed into that. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I had been doing this other comic strip about my travels, and, and it was it was stalling out uh, because it had, a, it had a structural problem, which is that... Uh, it was about me and my wife are our analogs in their RV, and because they were always on the move, yeah. where did the other characters come from? Right. So it could be extre- it could basically be Star Trek Voyager, <laughs> right? But, but the which, cast wasn't big enough. Which was problematic. It's, it's only, there's 110 people on that thing, you know, right. plus or minus a few Borg, and, um, and that was enough that you could like bring in characters you hadn't seen before. Right. Right. Oh, I forgot, he's just been down on deck to sea the entire time. But it was just the two of us and our dog, right? And then I thought, well, I'll add in kids at some point. We didn't have kids yet, so I didn't know how to write for that. Right. At one point, I had um, written a thing where his ex-wife, based on my ex-wife, was following him. Right. Like, with her with her new husband in a bigger RV, because she was really competitive, which That's was funny fun. to me. Yeah. But again, that was just two more characters. Right. So I just kept hitting that, and so I'd sort of stall out. And then uh, I hooked up with my wife's friend, who's a librarian, and he started telling me these really disturbing stories about libraries. Mm. He told me the story of um, the, the kind of dirty old man who came in and was looking to relocate and wanted to know which states had the um, lowest age of consent. Wow. And he's, <laughs> this is like typical, upsetting. typical day in the library. Yeah, right. And that's like, that's the cleanest, nicest thing that happened that day. And I thought, I mean, this that, and that kind of sort of tension is is crystal mill for the humor. Yeah. And there's parents and children in the internet. I mean, there's just endless amounts of stuff. So, uh, so we started working on that together, and I started writing strips for it. And they just they just came like there was no business. Anything I want to talk about, a good place there. Right. Because anyone wants to ask, you know, if I want a guy, if I want to make a political joke, I could have a guy come in and be talking about that and stuff. And I can introduce random characters or have ongoing characters at well. So it's 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 structurally the perfect sitcom. Yeah. Well, I've, you know, I felt 
hard to turn this back to me, but I felt no, no, very so much... No, no, we can talk about you for a little while, I just, just to keep it limited. I felt completely the same way with the first time I wrote. I, started, I wrote fantasy, which was, like, late. Like, I'd already written two novels. Um, you reproduced, I, actually, before you wrote fantasy. That is well, not the normal order of events. Well, but for me, it was necessary, oddly enough. Um, um, but the same thing, like, structurally, like... The rest is coming. Thank you. Um, like, almost structurally, like, you could do anything with it. I mean, you could bring in anything you wanted. By definition. You know, yeah, you could, you, could, uh, uh, you could get at anything. You know, you could, you, you're here, but you can reach everything from where you are. And suddenly, it was just, there was no limit. Whereas in my previous books, it was just like, oh, for Christ's sake, you know, we're at 65,000 words. You know, where, how are we going to get over 80? You know, and so it's going to look like a novel when you bind it. Like, now, it was just like, you know, just so much stuff. Well, now you have, and not only that, but now with... Now we're going to talk about your books. Are you ready? Wait for this amazing segue. Okay. <laughs> so now with what you've set up with magicians, you have the Netherlands, and so right. and so now he really can go anywhere and do anything. Yeah. Syndication. That's just it's just it's a franchise now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the magicians twelve. <laughs> he goes to <laughs> magicians babies. The, the Hobbit. I yeah. Know. No, I know. I know. Um, uh, someone just was just tweeting at me on how I should do a crossover with Adventure Time, and I was like, Oh my god, that's so great. And then I, was, I realized, of course, that that was not practical. And it is, it's, it's, it's a problem in its own way in that you, you have to find ways of, like, del- delimiting it because, you know, you want to go everywhere and you can't because you have to retain some kind of focus. Have you read uh, Ready Player One? Yes, I have. Okay. We interviewed uh, Ernie Klein at Comic-Con mm-hmm. last month and for July. One of the things we talked about was the fact that he basically just references by name all these various properties that kind of exist in the in his in his multiplayer game right. in Oasis. And, and 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 the question was, is that an intellectual property problem? And, right. and it turned out it wasn't. It turned out you can talk about it. these are things that exist in the world and you're allowed to talk about. Thank you. It's beautiful. Um, and and he, he does it to some degree to, to, to large extents. Not, and, and I guess it's sort of, it, it's, a, it's, it's a combination of you're allowed to talk about stuff and then there's just fair use stuff. Like he, right. he uses some lines from various movies and that's okay because he's, he's all of them. Yeah. And I guess, did you, did you contemplate as you were writing Magicians actually using Narnia? Oh yeah. The first draft was all Narnia. It was all Narnia, yeah. okay. There was no such thing as Fillory initially. And, and was it you who changed your mind or was it the publisher who requested that you change your mind? I think Ernie's publisher, Crown, probably has... And he must have better lawyers than Viking. Well, uh, and, and his, what he does is very different. I mean, you, you have your characters living and breathing in that world for quite a while. He doesn't really do that. But, like, um, he talks about the spaceship and Firefly, but he doesn't have them interacting with the characters and right. going on adventures. No, I know. I suppose it's all within quotation marks, sort of. Um, Look at this little spoon. It's just, I want to hug it and take it home. I know. In um, The Magician King, Quentin drinks a macchiato and they draw a leaf on it like with the with the cream um, and my wife the sort of the serious sort of coffee theoretician says that's an American thing they don't they don't make the leaf on it in, in, uh, in Italy where they happen to be in the book so I had to take it out uh, how nice little description of the leaf I was really proud of it I love the leaf uh, they're actually um, one of the coffee shops in Seattle they made me a panda bear like I don't know how they did it it was they had me for life at that point. What, did, you re- did you request it or no? It's just they're you know they're they're very bored. I think the baristas yeah. and this is what they do. We have contests actually. 
They do, and one of the one of the um, champion baristas uh, is in our neighborhood. But it's in a it's in a coffee shop. I don't I don't love for other reasons, and so I don't get the benefit of their restaurant. Um, so just to close off that, I had this idea that it would be in direct dialogue with, with C.S. Lewis, the way um, Gene Reese does in the White Shark SOC, or um, Stoppard in, in Hamlet, uh, Stoppard with Hamlet and, and Rosa Price and Gilster and Ed, like, just take the stuff and bring it in, and it's all fair use. Um, but it turned out legally that was problematic, and also it became a little bit cute after yeah. a while. Um, and it also was it was it was um, it must be limiting too. It was limiting, yeah. Because I had to work within um, Lewis's sort of mythos, yeah. Um, and it was fun. It's fun making a mythos, and I I just thought, you know, I'm just gonna go off. I find that I'm I find that I'm happier uh, in Fillory than 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 in Arnia because because there's things I don't know. Like it's a mythos. Right? It's it's. There's lots of unknowns, and it also, I mean, you can keep pulling stuff out of your hat endlessly. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. Like, it would be it would be limiting to me as a reader to know they're in Arnia, because I, because I would feel, I would actually feel the need to impose the rules on you. Like, if it didn't feel right. Right. That's, they would never do that. Right? But if you're, I don't know how they're going to do it. Well, Lewis was, it's funny, it's funny, I mean, Lewis, one of the great world builders of all time, was a terrible world builder. Like, he had no real sense of, 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 of creating this world-governed environment, a rule-governed environment at all. Uh, I mean, Narnia is just, um, even crack, crack Narnians, you know, Narnia scholars cannot, cannot make it all work together. It just doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't crunch the numbers. He didn't have, like, a whole wall of post-its with arrows and diagrams. Maybe if they had post-its. I think that's the problem. I think it's all broke down for him. Um, uh, but it's just, it'd, be, it'd be a nice little split screen thing. You have you have C.S. Lewis writing it in, in longhand, and meanwhile there's a chemist desperately trying to invent the formula over at 3M. Working it out on a Babbage, a Babbage mm-hmm. machine. Uh, but he was just sort of too, like, exuberant. Like, if he wanted Santa Claus, you know, come on, Santa Claus. Here's your moment. Come on. And, and he does. It's Father Christmas just kind of on his because It's because Lewis wants it. And then he... he um, he has this sort of ungovernable id, which is great. You know, you look at people who have ungovernable ids and you think, oh, that's so amazing. Well, that. they move the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not always in the direction you want, but no, the direction I know. they want. Um, he's a real uh, force of nature. We went out to um, dinner last night with our friend Dan, who writes uh, Spider-Man for Marvel now. Oh, right. Dan Slott. We went to school with him, too. And uh, I was trying to describe your book to him. <laughs> And I, I've been working on the capsule. I'm sure you have a much better capsule description. In fact, I, I would like to hear your Hollywood pitch. You have like a one sentence. Um, I don't. I'm really, I'm really bad at it. And I, um, you know, that's you know, that's why I'm an agent. We'll call her and she'll do it to you. Like you, you can do it, but it takes just as many pages as in the actual book itself. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like the map where the scale is. That's right. One, one mile. One mile. Uh, well, I said, I said it's, 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 um, it's sort of Harry Potter meets uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, but it's in, a, it's in our world. And so everyone's always talking about Harry Potter and the Potter economy. Like, they're aware that these things exist while they're kind of living that world. Uh, plus, they say, um, it, it's the only fantasy novel you'll ever read that includes the word manscape. Part of the, I mean, part of the fun with it was just to, to um, take this extremely English tradition. Because, you know, I mean, I, like, 
Epic Fantasy, it's great. It's like the other side of the street, and there's Tolkien, but there's also Robert E. Howard and Fritz Lieber and stuff like that. And uh, there's an American tradition of that stuff. There isn't as much an American tradition of this kind of wardrobe. We need Edgar Rice Burroughs in there somewhere. Yeah, cozy. Yeah, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, this sort of cozy, like sort of twee kind of uh, English fantasy. So, like, part of the amusement of it is just having them talk like Americans. I love the idiom. I mean, just, just, it, it, like, it cracks me up whenever somebody's like, they're in the middle of things, and somebody's like, I know, right? And, like, it just throws I, you right back in. For some reason, that never stops being funny for me. Like, I'll just, I could go, like, 30 volumes and just be like, dude, he just said dude in Fillory. No, I'm just saying. Probably will get old after a while. And I'm happy to tell you that as a reader, but it has not yet gotten old for me. Mm. I mean, that's part of the joy in it, is, is, is you're right. There are... There are rules of con- like we were saying that nobody in, in Harry Potter ever goes to the bathroom except for the one scene with with Moaning Myrtle. Like that's the last time you ever experience bathrooms well, in I mean, Harry Potter. I can't really her. imagine them going. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. What, what really bothered me. But but here, but but totally fillery. You got to get off your horse and take a piss against a tree. No, I, I I love Harry Potter and often it ends up sounding like you know I'm running them down or something. Um, uh, no one ever reads. There's no novels in Harry Potter. This is what drives me utterly insane. And as far as you can tell, in the Hogwarts library, there are not any works of fiction. And no one has read a book of fiction. Like, um, I guess because their life is just so interesting. Hermione obviously would have read Narnia, like, just continuously, in like, a nonstop loop until she got to Hogwarts. But she and so, never... And so in that sense, it's not our world at all. It's not our world, and it, it, lack, it lacks a dimension, um, or some sort of fractal dimension, yeah. because fiction doesn't exist within that fictional world. When I think... One of the things, of course, I find personally endearing, and I did in Ready Player One, is the protagonist is a big nerd. And and because he's a big nerd, this is what we do. We are constantly imposing our little fictional obsessions on the world around us, and we see it in terms of that. Yeah. Like, that is so, like, oh, it's totally North Vader, right? I mean, we that's the way we see the world, and, and to subtract all that is, is to subtract this, this crucial dimension. Well, that's what I thought. And honestly, it didn't start out that way at all, except I just wanted to write, um, you know... My, I was stuck. I was stuck in between. Um, what was it? It was between. Um, There's a rock. <laughs> I was stuck between Order Order of the Phoenix and um, Half Blood Prince. It was two years in there, um, and I sort of started noodling around with the story. Like, so you're writing some fan fiction. Yeah, basically. I mean, and you know, but it, it kept coming out wrong. It's like I couldn't. I didn't have Rowan's gift of editing reality into this nice sort of neat YA package. So people would start swearing and they would talk like Americans and, and yeah, and they'd read all this stuff. So as soon as they get to, you know, whenever they see magic done, they're always thinking of Harry Potter and Wizardry and all that other stuff. Well, as, as we would. We have these paradigms. As we would, right. And people, I get, I get knocked all the time for, you know, my sort of pop culture references, which, thank God, I took out 98% of them before the book rent, uh, was printed, but I just thought it was like, it was you know what I think your magicians need to do? Read more web notes. My name. <laughs> My name and URL. Um, I was, uh, well, this is like, I'm going to go way over the TMI line, but I was talking about um, uh, my book to my shrink, um, and I was just thought, you know, well, one of the ones, I, I, I know basically why the people are named with their name, but I've always wondered about Penny. Why did I call him Penny? That's just like a pure associative thing. Um, and he mounted this whole theory that I'd named it after Penny Arcade. By the end, I was sort of convinced. But he earned his 150 bucks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I wish it was 150. Um, but yeah, um, he did. He, he that day. He uh, he slept easy. No so way. that's nice. So so William, aka Penny, is a big Penny Arcade fan, and he kind of fits the profile, I think. Yeah, I mean it's, it's very intense. He's, 
he's intense. Um, I'm sure you know he's got that. Um, um, that uh, he's probably like a, one of those um, really self-righteous, you know, commenters. Uh, yes, right. In the forums. Uh, intent on correcting the internet. Okay, sure. Basically. Your coming. Yeah. Your flat lights coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what what comics do you read aside from mine? What, what comics do you read? <laughs> um, Penny Arcade was the one that was like the the that's the one that got me hooked. Like, and early on, um, which led naturally to to PVP. Uh, um, I had a massive Akewood habit. Did you read Did you read Akewood at all? I finally did. I hadn't, and then I got one of the books, and it, you know, I read his, his commentary is amazing. Yeah, it's it is deeply not something. At first, I, I, at first, like I sort of I I, I tried it and bounced off a couple times because uh, like the art looked at from a certain angle is quite ugly. Yeah, and I sort of like um, well, and the and the the dialogue is so inscrutable. It's so sort of I find it almost inscrutable. Yeah. And you finally realize he's speaking a, like a whole different language. Yeah, he's got and, his own. And then you learn the language and yeah. it starts making some sense. Um, Have you ever read it? I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's about cats. Sort of. Cats. Okay, that's okay. not the one I was thinking. Yeah. I guess they're cats. I don't know. I they're hard to identify because he's Yeah, no, I know. There's an otter and a deep bear. They kind of all look alike yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think the one that got me hooked was um, uh, Pat was um, offering to edit Nice Pete's novel. Um, and he said, you know, I can fix it. I can just make things that are bad, good. And then he looks down and says, yes, it is a double-edged sword. <laughs> I thought, wow, that really is it. That's, that's how editors think. Anyway, it's just, it's genius. And I hope, I don't know, he's on hiatus now, and I hope he comes back to it. I heard he's got to come back again. Oh, yeah? That would be good. But, yeah. Um, he's one of the few cartoonist cartoonists. Like, the, car- the comics that other cartoonists read. Yeah, right. Right. I can almost, I can see that. My dad was often, my dad... Uh, was a poet and was often described as a poet's poet which is something that he always hated well it, it, it implies somehow that you're nobody else's poet I think right yeah. uh, I think he normal people don't read it but the poets do like a meta, meta poet um, what else do I read I read XKCD um, I read uh, Order of a Stick and Earth World I'm in a particularly intense Earth World um, uh, obsession right now do you read that no um, it's really genius and it's like it's another one where it's very like the continuity is very it's all arc um, there's no one off strips and it's, it's it's you have to really start at the beginning or it just it doesn't make very much sense it's, it's really complicated um, I just met the guy who does it Rob Balder at uh, Worldcon um, and I thought he was cool and those, just from a business proposition those are really rough because it's so hard to bring people in oh I know I know I mean they're fanatic like they come there and they're like great now start seven years ago yeah. the beginning of our archive I mean presumably I mean there are a lot of people like me who now that I have I have paid the right. barrier to entry or opportunity cost or whatever it is now I'm fanatically loyal because yeah. um, you've got, I, you've got I your PhD so, so many hours of my life yeah. trying to decode you defended your thesis and the now you're ready the Griffins and the dragons yeah. and what their various sort of like hours are um, but now I mean I'll, I'll never get out uh, I'm stuck. Um, what else do I read? I'm trying to envision the, um, you know, the like bar at the top of my browser where all the little uh, icons are lined up. Um, oh, so you're not an RSS person? Yeah. I don't know why not. I'm trapped in 1990. Sorry, 2008. Are you an RSS person? Yes. Okay. Most of the programmers I know are. It's very, it's a very. 
uh, elegant and you know efficient. Yeah, but it lacks. I think I, I think a lot of people don't like it because they actually enjoy the experience of going to a site. Kind of like it's it's actually fun to go to a restaurant. It's also fun to get stuff delivered to you. And so RSS is is basically you just have twenty four seven delivery. Right. No. No. You look at it and it's almost which is efficient. Like, how you know, was, that was too easy. Channels versus having a TV. Tivo's like, here are your shows, I guess that's and you right. don't discover new shows, and you're happy. Like, I guess that's right. I know. It's like how porn was when I was a kid. Like, you know, to find a porn magazine, you had to, like, you know, some hobo had to have, like, hidden it under a rock in the forest, and you had or, to or your turn dad. over all the rocks. Or, or your mom. Or my mom, right. Yeah. Uh, mostly hobos, but, yeah. Uh, my dad's a pornographer's pornographer. <laughs> uh, anyway, now it's very easy to find porn. I value it less, although I still value it. The journey is the reward. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like every journey, it has a happy ending. We're you just, had to we're go. We're cutting all that you out. Had I, to, I go everywhere, yeah, right. all times. Um, all right, we were talking about web comments. <laughs> I, 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 I can't remember any more web comments. I don't really go to interviews with questions to ask, I just have conversations. <clears throat> That's good. That works for me. What webcomics do you read? You must read webcomics. Webcomics is... I really enjoy SMBC, Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial. Actually, if you like XKCD, I predict you will like SMBC. For one thing, it's the color. Right. Uh, but he's... He, in the same way... I mean, Zach is, is, uh, has this voracious... He's this voracious sponge for knowledge. He's in... I guess he's in grad school. He must be in grad school. Yeah. But he... he like, you can watch his... I mean, I'm friends with him now, but you can watch his, his tweets and just see what he's interested in. He'll be like, hey, recommend me a good book on blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, going through the top 500 works in English literature, and he's doing this, and he's just... He goes very broad and deep at the same time. Right. So, essentially, he's t intent on learning everything. And and as you do, and he, as he dips his toe into various domains, funny little questions come up. So he's like, oh, Zeno's Paradox. Here's a funny thing about Zeno's Paradox. And so he just goes with it. So he doesn't have characters... Even less than XPP, which very minimally has characters. He right. doesn't really have them at all. Although he shows up as guy with red hair, right? And his and his uh, wife shows up as as guy with red hair's girlfriend or, or and or wife, depending on on screen. Uh, and so he just explores various funny things in math and science and religion and whatever. So it's it's really ranging. That sounds amazing. And it's very it's very uh, kind of not logical, but he he uses logic to to bring up funny things, especially in theology, like. You know, SMBC. SMBC. Right. It's a big ad there on the interview. Um, he shared our booth at Comic Con this year. It was fun. What? Um, and he, not only that, he has started a, um, a, a video series, just like YouTube videos, with a bunch of his friends who are actors called SMBC Theater, and they're just, just skits comedy. And so he's just like these little two minute, three minute skits, and they're hilarious. Uh, I wish I had a bunch of friends who are actors and I could make them do skits. Friends. You know, and you can make them, if you, as long as they're your friends, you can make them do anything. That's a great thing. I, I made him come to New York to, just to yeah. sit here and keep me company, in case, in case you tried to hurt me. Which I still don't feel as out of the question. There's a spoon there in a little part. Um, how was, so how, did you have a good time at Comic-Con? I was there. Are we there? Yeah. I don't think I'm going next year. There's a, a Harry Potter convention the same weekend. I think I'm going to go to the Harry Potter convention. Oh, yeah. As a, as a, as, as an author or as a fan? No, as a, as a, as a pro. As a pro. Yeah. You can go to, you can go to the pro panels on Harry Potter. Well, I could go as a fan, but as, if I go as, a, as an author, then they'll fly me down. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's important. Uh, and that'll be great. It's like 4,000 people. Wow, so you're in some, you're in some sphere of 
like media around Harry Potter now, like Harry Potter related media. Well, you know, I mean, Joe's not going to go to um, Harry Potter convention. Joe Rowling. Yeah. So, um, so, so they needed a substitute. Well, they just they're, they're authors, authors who who sort of circulate, who move on that circuit. Yeah. Who are not rolling, but they're slightly rolling ass. Yes. So you're rolling ass. Yeah. Sure. Look like that. Uh, and uh, um, great people, you know. Uh, they're just glad. They're glad to see you. Yeah. Yeah, they have a good time. Yeah. They drink just a lot of butterbeer. Massive volumes of. I don't know what it is. Um, it's butterbeer, uh, is that right? Fire, fire whiskey, fire whiskey. Isn't that the other one? I don't know. Fire whiskey, yeah. I guess you do shots of fire whiskey with your butterbeer. You should ch- butterbeer chaser. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it'll be great. I've been to a couple of them, and uh, I don't know. It's just very, it's very cool. Where did, did you grow up in Manhattan? I grew up all over. My, my dad was a banker, and we lived all, all around the world. So I, I, I was here until I was seven, but I was also in Hong Kong and Nigeria, and we went to high school in London. That's where we met. Was in London? In London, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. It was cool. It was awesome. Um, my mom grew up in London. How did you meet your wife? Um, God, did I? It's good. In- oh, <laughs> she wrote from mom to wife. <laughs> same thing. It's the same thing. Um, she, uh, I knew about her for a long time because we had friends in common. Um, she's actually my sec- my second wife, and um, my first wife had a postdoc at Princeton. Um, and I was always hearing, like, Sophie teaches at Princeton. And I was here, like, oh, this is, like, young, hot Australian professor who teaches it. Teaches, you know. Uh, and you're like, well, if I ever need a second wife, that's good to know. Well, exactly. No, it was like, the, it, was the, it was the thing of just, like, oh, I'm never going to introduce this woman because, you know, she's so amazing. And, you know, you'll totally fall in love with her. Um, fortunately, there, well, there was, like, a gap between getting divorced from my first wife uh-huh. and then meeting Sophie. Sophie Very respectable gap. Three, three years, decorous, oh, nice decorous. decorous. Yeah. Um, but Sophie wrote a novel uh, that came out in 2007, and I actually went to the publicity luncheon um, for that uh, as a represent Time magazine, because it's very important that Time cover the release of novels by hot young ladies. Yes. Um, and uh, so that's how we met. And, but we had friends in common, it was kind of overdetermined. Yeah. You said you had a question. I had a question. Um, just something in, your, in The Magician's King reminded me. Did you, did you read Larry Niven? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, what struck me was um, when you're talking about the old gods and how they're, they're basically they're so smart that they have no free will. Right. Um, that, that totally struck me as being like the pack in the known world. Yeah. Who, because that's something he says several times. Right. Which is that the pack, they're, they're so hyper-intelligent that they, everything is completely deterministic. Yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, it, it, people don't generally spot how much I've stolen from Niven. But I did, I totally nailed you, man. No, which is good, which is good. Um, and I feel understood. I rely on there being few enough people um, uh, in the intersection, like hardcore Niven See, but, but if any of us only spot like 10% of them, then we assume the rest is all, is all uh, your, your creation. That, I, that's, your, your fear is that we all get together and we figure out exactly. it's 100% Exactly, I mean, stolen. eventually the internet, you know, um, it, it, it's going to happen, uh, but I'll be dead. Um, there's a lot of stuff swiped from Niven, partly from Known Space, but uh, especially from the Warlock stories. I don't know if you ever read oh, I love those. The Warlock stories. They're so fucking brilliant. Um, I mean, really, just like smart. But also, and he, like, he, had very the, sad. he had this amazing very. Yeah. But he had the amazing thing of having the, the really brilliant idea and then extrapolating like crazy. Yeah. Well, that, that's what he does. Like, I know. His brain is just I know. A machine. What is the logical? What is the logical extension of all this stuff? <laughs> he just took it so far. 
Like, it's amazing how much that one simple idea about magic running out, yeah. uh, mana, just how far that went. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, he just he just keeps, like, ringing changes on it, you know, like, all through what good is the glass dagger. and um, Yeah, anyway, that's really, I mean, <clears throat> the one direct swipe is the um, tattoo with the, the demon trapped in it. Oh, right, right, right. Because um, the warlock had one of those. Um, they only use it once. He, well, I know, it's like, you could get a whole, <clears throat> I just thought, oh my god, he had that idea. That's a whole, that's a novel idea. Like, there's a whole novel about people with, with demons in their backs. Um, and he just, for him, it's a throwaway. But I was like, you know, no, I'm going to... Because you and I are only going to have two or three good ideas in our life. Well, exactly. I'm not one of those writers who just is like, you know, it's all popping all the time, you know. Um, that's why I don't write short stories, because, you know, if you I got an idea... You don't want to use up the mana. I'm going to... Exactly. Exactly. Because then the wavy hill will collapse, and, the, you know, I don't know what else. My, um, yeah, you'll realize that I'm 140 years old. Um, yeah, I actually... Have you ever met Nevin? I met him one time. Uh, no, I haven't met him I met Werner Vinge at a, at a thing the other day, or the other, at, a, at a library conference a couple years ago. Yeah. That was fun. Niven, goes, Niven still goes to cons, um, and I once, like, right after The Magicians came out, I was like, okay, breathe, I'm going to explain to Larry Niven. You know. Of course, he had no idea who I was or what I was talking about. Isn't that a little embarrassing? Yeah, it was. I just finished your book this morning. I was oh, like, really? I must finish before, just in case there's a spoiler. I, I was going to say, you're very up on the details. I was like, that's what this guy's like. He's sharp. He's a huge recent fan. Yeah, right. um, well, I have some merch I'd like to sell you. Oh. <laughs> um, no, I was going to bring it, but I don't. I literally don't have it yet. Um, I would have paid you for it. <laughs> uh, one question Bill didn't ask, must ask. Yeah. Uh, were you planning to do the sequel as you wrote the first one, or did that sort of come later? Uh, it never crossed my mind, yeah, even one time. I, uh, I was so surprised when I found you were doing a sequel. Why? Well, and, and deeply uh, suspicious. I also was surprised. Um, because uh, it never occurred to me. But then I, I felt like I had a good idea. And I wanted to do it. Because I hadn't ripped off enough of CS yet. There was so much more. Um, all right. I've got to go. This is really fun.